and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams of pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Uh, I am in the presence of television royalty right uh, now. I'm sorry. We're both in the presence of television royalty because you are also television royalty, except <laughs> yours aired at the end of December. <laughs> oh. So we are both, I think we can tell people. That we won some money. We won some money. We won, we won a bo- little bit of money. We're one. We're both 50,000 dares. Yeah. We're like 10% of the way to a million dollars. That's, I, I don't think I could ever say that before today. Right. So. Right. I'm pretty proud of it. Yes. I got a lot of, a, a lot of wide range of reactions from people <laughs> when I told them. And it, and the reactions ranged from, you could tell how much money these people make at work. Oh, Cause, yes. Because <laughs> the president is like, oh, oh, great. Good for you. Yeah, nice to hear that. <laughs> and then, you know, my coworkers, my peers are like, what? What? <laughs> That's amazing. I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you for reacting exactly the way I reacted, uh, which t- is crazy. To bring everyone up to speed. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Lauren Sorry. was on uh, two episodes of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire last week. Yes. Um, her episodes aired on Tuesday and Wednesday. So in our Tuesday episode, she um, got up to the $10,000 question and answered it right. And then it was the end of the day. Mm-hmm. The horn sounded. You yes. did not scream like a little girl when no, the, when I the did horn not. sounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and then day two, there you go. I ran that board. Oh, man. Ran it left, right, so, and center. So good. Everybody loved her. Chris Harrison loved her the audience loved her the staff loved her it was great it was great it was great it was so much fun we had so much fun um and i am so glad that both members of miss infopod uh managed to get the exact same amount of money (laughs) um which was exactly my dream so everything worked out absolutely perfectly um we also will have uh, in the future a special episode that we recorded immediately after we got back that tells like the whole story, top to bottom, left to right, about... Fresh out our brains. Fresh out of our brains. Um, so we will have a very special episode um, soon, so keep an eye out for that. And then you can hear all of our uh, <laughs> all of our stories about the people that we met and like the nitty-gritty of being on the show. And I, I don't know about you, but I highly recommend anybody to audition for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, because can I tell you, wow, is it is easy to get on... Woo! I mean, all you got to do is just like, just physically be there, yeah, I guess. And be able to talk. And talk on camera. And then they're like, here, here's some money. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Sign here, please. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it was super fun. And it's still very surreal and weird. And it's very weird to see yourself on TV. Yeah. I texted my parents while I was watching the first episode and I was like, um, why didn't anyone tell me that I had a witch nose? Because... <laughs> Your uh, sister probably told you that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. If anybody was going to tell me, it was going to be Sarah. Um, yeah, like you don't, I mean, when you look at yourself in the mirror, like you're not doing a lot, yeah. you know? <laughs> so seeing yourself like talking and mm-hmm. making faces and screaming at the top of your lungs um, <laughs> is a unique experience. So uh, that was very fun. And yes, thank you, Julia. Uh, it was fun. So... <laughs> Uh, getting back to the matter at hand and doing, you know, just because, by the way, guys, just because we're 50,000 dares doesn't mean that we're going to stop providing quality podcast content for you guys every week for your, for your ears, hot, hot, mm-hmm. fresh content for you guys. 
So that's our promise to you that even though we're so wealthy now, (laughs) (laughs) I had our, by the way, I had our, our, um, uh, our gifts officer, like our special gifts officer at, at work, Joe, he like cornered me in the hallway. He was like, by the way, I'd like to make a meeting with you about all of the great programming we have here at the Memorial Art Gallery. (laughs) I was like, are you actually hitting me up for money right now, Joe? He was like, I would be remiss if I didn't do my job. Oh, boy. <laughs> he was like, I'll have Jackie set up a, a meeting oh, with us. Yeah. I was like, uh-huh. okay, yeah, you better take me to lunch <laughs> and let me get whatever I want. And then we'll see. I'm not going to do anything. Four lobsters. Yeah. Four <laughs> lobsters. Three of which I will take home in a doggy bag. <laughs> um, so so our, t- our recent topics, right? You did the Peloponnesian War. <laughs> Very... Very confusing and hard to spell ancient things. I know two P's. I had our, I put it on our family calendar, Mm -hmm. like what our topics are every week. And damn, if I had hard, I just put P wars. (laughs) Um, That's a whole different thing. (laughs) Yeah, actually, maybe I should change it. Um, And then I did 70s fashion designers. You know, these, these things are complicated, right? Oh, yes. And there's a lot of information about it. And there's like different players and all sorts of different things. So I decided I was going to get back to basics. Back to basics. So today, and you don't know this, I did not tell you what my topic was this week. (laughs) My topic this week is, in Ain't Easy Being Green, Frogs. I want to thank my husband, Steve Polly, for suggesting uh, frogs because we were in the car and I was like, what should my topic be this week? And to his credit, he sat and thought for several minutes and then he said, frogs. And I said, all right, he proclaimed done. it. Did yeah. He, did he have a scroll? Yeah. He unrolled a scroll while he was driving. It was very dangerous. Um, so I decided on frogs. And did you know there's a lot of information about frogs? So here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So a frog is any member of a diverse and largely carnivorous group of short-bodied, tailless amphibians composing the order Anura. Okay. How's that spell? A-N-U-R-A, Anura. Uh, the oldest fossil proto-frog appeared in the early Triassic of Madagascar, but molecular clock dating suggests their origins may extend further back to the Permian 265 million years ago. Uh, frogs are widely distributed, ranging from the tropics to subarctic regions, but the greatest concentration of species diversity is in tropical rainforests. Sure. There are over 7,000 recorded species, accounting for over 85% of extant amphibian species. Wow. So 85% of amphibians are frogs. That's huge. It's a lot. It's a lot. There are just tons of frogs out there. Um, they are also one of the five most diverse vertebrate orders. Um, warty frog species tend to be called toads, but the distinction between frogs and toads is informal, not from taxonomy or evolutionary history. So frogs and toads are the same thing. Are the same thing. Why do we? So it's called a uh, folk taxonomy. Oh. So, which just means that we gave them separate names, even though they're the same thing, because they look, and again, because they are one of the five most diverse vertebrate orders. They are so different that at one point we were like, well, that's a toad and that's a frog. <gasps> yeah. So toads oh, are most often gosh. in the frog family of Bufanidae. Yes. 
and they are associated with warty, dry skin and more land-based habitats, while frogs have smooth skin and tend to live in marshy, wet areas. Okay, so you'll find like a toad in your backyard. Yes. And you'll find a frog by like a creek. Yes. Yes. Um, There are numerous exceptions to this rule, however. sure. But in general, yes. Toads, dry, frogs, wet. Um, Also, their warts are not actually warts, which are, you know, human papillomavirus or verrucas. Um, They're just skin bumps that protect their skin glands. So you can't get warts from a toad. Just FYI. What about from kissing him? You can't. You don't. No. You would just get a very, I don't know. Weird. Weird sensation. I mean, I have definitely (laughs) kissed my share of toads in the past. That is not a metaphor for anything. I just literally have. As a kid, my sister used to catch toads. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, we used to go on a vacation to like this lake, Rice Lake, um, and she would, you know, collect toads and we'd put them in a cooler um, and there would be baby toads and like big toads and big frogs and things. And she said one day um, she was looking at a toad and he was frowning at her because that's what toads look like. And she got mad that he had an angry face. So she threw him off the porch and... (laughs) But we would kiss them before we let them go. Uh-huh. I don't know if she kissed him. I think she was just pissed off. And so she tossed a toad off the porch. What's the statute of limitations on that? On that? On on the legalities of that? <laughs> I'm hoping that's expired because I just... I just You just outed yeah, her. Yeah, I ratted on my sister on a public podcast. Snitches Sorry, Sarah. Well. <laughs> I know. She's going to beat me up. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> So a frog order. Okay, so yes, you can't get worse from a toad. Great. Uh, a frog order, Anora, literally means without a tail in ancient Greek. Um, why they chose to really focus on the taillessness of amphib- of this amphibian as opposed to like anything else about it. It's bulbous <laughs> eyes. Yes, it's jumping, all that stuff. But the origins of the word frog are uncertain and debated. Uh, the word is first attested in Old English as froga, but the usual Old English word for the frog was frosh with variants such as frocks and forsh. Um, and it is agreed that the word frog is somehow related to this. Uh, how old English frosh gave rise to froga is, however, uncertain, as the development does not involve a regular sound change. So in linguistics, there are predictable ways how one word turns into sure. another word because of the way that English is spoken. Um, and But frosh to froga doesn't make any sense mm. in like historical linguistics. So... Um, what's interesting is, uh, instead it seems like there was a trend in old English to coin nicknames for animals ending in G, um, with examples. And these are all uncertain Mm -hmm. words like dog, hog, pig, stag, and earwig. Okay. I gotta tell you before you started that list and you were like animals whose names end in G, I was like, horse, (laughs) no, uh, like I couldn't, I couldn't think of one. I couldn't think of one. Oh man, it's a good thing. I know I have it written down. I don't know if I would have been able to. (laughs) I had it written down. You know what? If you put me on the spot, I don't know if I would be able to do it either. No, I don't think I'd be able to do it either. So yes, you said dog. I was like, oh, Oh, right. There are there are words that end in G. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, no, it's earwig. Yes, and earwig. Um, Frog appears to have been adapted from frosh as part of this trend. So it was just like, it was like an early meme. Like it was just like, like doggo. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. How we call them doggos. It was just like, Look. give that, give that over that dosh. Yeah. A dog. A dog. <laughs> Og. Pig. Um, so yeah. So that's a weird huh. little linguistic thing. 
Um, anyway, so meanwhile, the word toad, for example, first attested as Old English tadge, is unique to English and is likewise of uncertain etymology. Uh, it is the basis for the word tadpole, first attested as Middle English tadpole, uh, apparently meaning toadhead. Toadhead. Yeah, so there you go. Um, so let's get down to brass tacks on the frogs. So frogs have no tail except as larvae, and most have long hind legs, elongated ankle bones, webbed toes, no claws, large eyes, and smooth or warty skin. So you got that in your brains. Uh, they have short spines with no more than 10 free vertebrae and fused tailbones. Uh, like other amphibians, oxygen can pass through their highly permeable skins. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it is very weird. Uh, this unique feature allows them to remain in place without access to the air, respiring through their skins. Uh, there are also blood vessels near the surface of the skin, and when a frog is underwater, oxygen diffuses directly into the blood. So they can technically, like, breathe underwater, which is bananas. Um, ribs, uh, they don't have any ribs, so the lungs are filled by what's known as buccal pumping. Oh, oh, what's buccal pumping, you ask? Please tell me. Let me tell you. It's literally breathing with one's cheeks. Um, it's a method of breathing where the frog moves the floor of its mouth in a rhythmic manner in order to fill and deflate the lungs. So it's, it literally like physically squeezes its lungs so that air fills the lungs. It's like a, it's like a, it's not an involuntary thing. It's a voluntary thing because they can breathe through their skin. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, frog, a frog deprived of its lungs, like if you were to like pull the lungs out of a frog, um, it can live without them. I mean, I'm not saying you should. This is a disclaimer. Misinfopod does not. We do not condone. Condone pulling pulling the lungs lungs out of a frog. Thank you. Um, so. (laughs) Legal. Yeah, we have, we got our lawyer right here and we need to say these things. Um, So yeah, it can live without its lungs because the skin does most of the respiration in a frog, which is really cool. So in order for it to serve as a respiratory organ, it must remain moist in a frog. So it's got to be like a little bit damp all the time. So this makes frogs susceptible to various substances they may encounter in the environment, some of which may be toxic and can dissolve into the water film and be passed into their bloodstream, which is why one of the cause, this is one of the causes of worldwide decline in frog populations because there's pollution. Exactly. Mm. Because it just goes right into them. Um, So frogs range in size from the recently discovered uh, 7.7 millimeter or 0.3 inch Pedophyrene amanusis of Papua New Guinea to the 30 centimeter or foot long Goliath frog of Cameroon. So this frog is this big. It is a foot long. Can you even imagine? That's very, I was very frightened. Like the I size of a dog. Yes. I would scream and scream until I died. It's <laughs> horrifying. Um, the skin of a frog hangs loosely on the body because of its lack of loose connective tissue. Uh, frogs have three eyelid membranes. One is transparent to protect the eyes underwater, and two vary from translucent to opaque. They have a tympanum on each side of their heads, which is involved in hearing, and in some species is covered by skin. So their mm-hmm. their like little eardrums are actually on the outside of their body, oh. and it's just kind of covered with like a thin layer of skin. Um, so they're pretty good hearers, I'm assuming. Um, True toads completely lack teeth, but most frogs have them. Frogs have teeth? Frogs have teeth. They are on the edge of the upper jaw and the vomerine. So, what is a vomerine? Actually, the vomer is in humans, too. It's the bone behind the nose and above the palate. So, it's like inside your skull. I'm very aware of my skull Are you very aware of your vomer right now? 
I just discovered it. I was, well, not discovered it. Like I was like feeling around in my own mouth and I was like, the boomer. Um, no, I was like hunting around online. It's behind your nose and above your soft palate. Yeah. You can sort of touch it with your tongue. Don't do that. I don't want to. You'll gag. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they have vomerine teeth. So they have teeth like above, like in the palate kind of area, um, on the roof of their mouths. Oof. Um, there are no teeth in the lower jaw, and frogs usually swallow their food whole. Okay. Um, the teeth are mainly used to grip the prey and keep it in place until swallowed, which is a process assisted by retracting the eyes into the head. And I think I, ma- I mentioned this before. They actually, like, push. <laughs> oh. This they is... use their eyeballs to, like, like, push their food down their gully works. You know what I mean? Like, um. <laughs> aren't you glad we have a podcast together? Um, so yeah, they retract their eyes back into their head and that's how they force the food down their throats. So, uh, the African bullfrog, which preys on relatively large animals such as mice and other frogs have cone shaped bony projections called undontoid processes at the front of their lower jaw, which function like teeth. So they kind of do have teeth that you could see because they're like out there, which is weird. Um, many frogs have webbed feet and the degree of webbing is directly proportional to the amount of time the species spends in water. Sure. Uh, the completely aquatic African dwarf frog has fully webbed toes, while those of the white's tree frog and arboreal species, tree species, are only a quarter or half webbed. So the tree frogs kind of have, like their feet kind of look like fingers. Yeah, they kind of look like fingers. They're like a quarter up. So and swimmy frogs have like they're like uh, like duck. Yes, like webbed like a duck. Yes, exactly. Um, exceptions to this include species of flying frogs, which also have fully webbed hold, toes using gliding. Hold up. What? Flying frogs? Oh, yes. Okay, so there are frogs that are arboreal. They live in the trees. And what they do is they can't live in the same tree the whole time because then, you know, that, you get bored. Yeah, you get, well, yeah. Your you get neighbors bored. suck sometimes. Yes, they make a lot of noise. Somebody likes to walk around upstairs with cement shoes on. That's certainly not anything that neither one of us have ever had any experience with. <laughs> I know, she was awful. Anyway, um, what they do is they they jump off of a branch and they spread, splay their, their hands and feet. And because they have so much webbing and their hands and feet are large in proportion to the rest of their body, they can kind of like, whee, glide down. (laughs) So, so you could be in a jungle somewhere and you're like, ooh, we're going to find the um, secret castle of this ancient culture. And then you get smacked smacked in the the face by a jumping frog frog. yes oh my gosh yes i mean they're not huge they're like a regular frog size but i didn't think we had to worry about that well we don't i mean i don't know if there's any in the western new york so i think we're okay i mean i'm not planning on going to the brazilian jungles anytime soon are you hope not yeah exactly do y'all want a yahoo (laughs) (laughs) exactly okay um, so tree frogs also have pads located on the ends of their toes to help grip vertical surfaces. Um, these are not suction pads. The surface consisting instead of columnar cells with flat tops with small gaps between them lubricated by mucus glands. Um, when the frog applies pressure, the cells adhere to irregularities on the surface and the grip is maintained through surface tension. So this is, and I was trying to figure out like what this even means. 
Um, this is very complicated, but it basically comes down to capillary action of the liquid mucus and adhesive forces of the liquid and the wall itself. So like a sticker, mm-hmm. a sticker is coated with a s- substance that has like capillary and adhesive properties that will have it stick to things. Okay. So they need to be wet and that's why they have mucous membranes on their feet. Um, so this allows the frog to climb on smooth surfaces, but the system does not function efficiently when the pads are excessively wet because then they get okay. slick and they can slide. Um, so you're, just, you're a flying frog. I'm a flying you're, frog. You're abandoning your house. Yes. I'm like, forget this. And then you're like, it's time to go. Here we go. And you jump. Yep. And then turns oh. out that the other tree is very wet. Oh and no. And you get to it. And you hit it and you just like slide down like a... Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until you grab onto like a branch or something. What an, what an image. I know, right? I'm going to have to draw that at some point. So a frog's skin is not only respiratory, but also protective and can absorb water and helps control body temperature. Uh, it has many glands, particularly on the head and back, which often exude distasteful and toxic substances. Um, those are called the granular glands. Um, the secretion is often sticky and helps keep the skin moist, protects against the entry of molds and bacteria, and makes the animal slippery and more able to escape from predators. If you ever tried to hold a frog, yeah. you know what that feels like. Um, also, the skin is shed every few weeks. Really? Um, yep. It usually splits down the middle of the back and across <laughs> the belly, and the frog pulls its arms and legs free, like getting out of a coat backwards. Um, <laughs> why do we never like see frog skin you know why because the sloth skin is then worked towards the head where it was quickly eaten they just eat it they They clean up after themselves yeah they do clean up after themselves oh that's really weird that's like if we got our hair cut and then ate it yes and i'm sure that's a fetish somewhere (laughs) i'm just saying i'm just saying like i'm just saying like we are a we are a vast and varied species I won't have anything more about that. I'm sorry. (laughs) So being cold blooded frogs have to adopt suitable behavior patterns to regulate their temperature. So the color of a frog skin is used for thermoregulation often in cool, damp conditions. The color will be darker than on a hot dry day. Um, So the gray foam nest tree frog is even able to turn white to minimize the chance of overheating. Um, He is, uh, excuse me, they are in a uh, desert region. So they get very hot. Um, you would think the frogs would have moved out of the desert, right? But mm, no, they also like to burrow. They get underneath and that's how they get bugs and water, presumably. Um, so there are two main types of reproduction in frogs. I'm not going to get graphic here. Don't worry, everybody. All right. Um, there's prolonged breeding and explosive breeding. <laughs> it's not. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. <laughs> so in prolonged breeding... Uh, which is adopted by the majority of species. Adult frogs at certain times of year assemble at a pond, lake, or stream to breed. Uh, Many frogs return to the bodies of water in which they developed as larvae. So they go home. Okay. Um, This often results in annual migrations involving thousands of individual frogs, which has got to be weird to see. Um, In explosive breeding, mature adult frogs arrive at a breeding site in response to certain trigger factors, such as rainfall occurring in an arid area. What? Why are you giggling at me? I'm trying to tell you. I'm gonna when you're done. I'm gonna tell you what I what I thought. Oh. <laughs> I can only imagine. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so in these explosive breeders, uh, mating and spawning takes place promptly, and the speed of larval growth is rapid in order to make use of the ephemeral pools before they dry up. So it's kind of like, ooh, quick, everybody make babies because there's a lot of like water and stuff. Okay, please tell me. I- 
ready what i thought it was was that like okay there's a dude frog uh-huh coming over and then there's just like a bunch of lady frogs hanging out in the in the hot tub you yeah. know uh-huh. and the dude frog like is like there's a lot of lady frogs here it's time to breed and then he like self oh, self-destructs no. <laughs> so that all of his like frog <laughs> sperm sp- frog sperm <laughs> and then it's like all and then, and then everybody's like, pregnant yeah <laughs> If only it worked that way, you know? <laughs> uh, Josh was watching that new nature documentary series on oh, Netflix. Yes. Our Planet. And he showed yeah. me some of the bird mating dances. This oh, is my slightly God. Off topic. But like, so there's like elaborate things that the birds do to get like mm-hmm. the lady birds to agree to mate with them. And they'll do like a, like a, they'll prepare for, they prepare the ground <laughs> and then they'll do like a seven minute dance Aww. for the, for the lady bird. And then they'll puff their neck feathers up and like the lady bird will give them like one, one motion and then they'll go over and like they'll go over to do it. Yeah. And it takes like 0.4 seconds. Yeah. It's like you did all that work <laughs> for that. You clean the That's- floor of this, this wooded region for this. <laughs> you puffed out your neck and did like the dance. So I don't, Man, nature. I know. It's fascinating. I will not, you will not find me out in it. Too many bugs. Um, thank you for that, Julia. <laughs> uh, so, as we know, uh, frogs um, have tadpoles. Tadpoles are baby frogs. So, at the end of the tadpole stage, right, mm-hmm. um, a frog undergoes metamorphosis in which its body makes a sudden transition into the adult form. As so, you know, puberty. is puberty, yes. Um I don't know if you knew this, but this metamorphosis typically lasts only 24 hours and is initiated by production of the hormone thyroxine. So like, you know how, um, I don't know if you did this in elementary school. We didn't because we didn't have any money. Uh, but (laughs) they have like, you get tadpoles and then you can like watch them grow into Uh frogs and then you release the frogs or whatever. And it shows like, okay, the life cycle of a frog. Um, I didn't realize it only took 24 hours to go from like tadpole Tadpole. to full frog. Wow. it does not yeah. take long at all. And um, apparently that's why you don't see a lot of like frog teens. Frogs. Teen frogs. <laughs> yeah, you don't see a lot of teen frogs. A lot of- skateboarding and smoking. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dirtbag teen frogs. A lot frogs of dirtbag teen down frogs. At the, at the brook. Giving each other tattoos. <laughs> I mean, what do teens do? Sneaking alcohol out of their parents' liquor cabinets. Getting Downloading TikTok on their phone. Isn't that what teens do? I got to text my cousin. I got to find out what they do. Um, so, uh, so this hormone causes different tissues to develop in different ways. So the principal changes that take place include the development of the lungs and the disappearance of the gills and gill pouch, making the front legs visible. Uh, and after metamorphosis, young adults may disperse into terrestrial habitats or continue to live in water. Where does the tail go? Um, it just shrinks away. I think. I don't know where the tail goes, Julia. Sorry. No, no. I think it like turns into a leg maybe. Oh, okay. Maybe it turns into a leg. I don't know. Splits into two legs. Splits into two legs becomes two legs. Uh, you know who I should ask? So I had an intern when I was at the RMSC, Alice. Shout out oh, to Alice. Yeah. Um, she was my froggy intern because she, and that's how she always signed like cards and things, froggy intern. Um, because uh, she did like some major... Uh, research at the American Museum, the American Museum of Natural History mm-hmm. as an intern and like helped 
discover a new species of yeah. frog like at like 20 or something <laughs> insane like that she's like way more successful than i will ever be uh but yeah i should ask i'll ask alice i will go ask go alice, ask alice. about that yeah um so uh almost all frog species are carnivorous as adults preying on invertebrates including anthropods worms snails and slugs uh, a few of the larger ones may eat other frogs small mammals and fish uh, some frogs use their sticky tongues to catch fast-moving prey, while others push food into their moves, mouths with their hands. So they just grab things, and they just go, <laughs> like me at the deke. Um, <laughs> a few species also eat plant matter, and the tree frog Xenohyla uh, truncata is partly herbivorous, its diet including a large proportion of fruit. So refreshing. Wow. Uh, by the way, the term folivore... Uh, is an animal that primarily eats leaves. So an herbivore oh, okay. is like the general term, like eats plants. Mm-hmm. A folivore is something that only eats leaves. So that's good trivia. But they right never there. shut up about it. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, actually, do you know how many calories are in that stem? Do you know how many, do you know how many animals died for that stem? Anyway, I have vegan friends, I promise. Um, so uh, their lifespan, captive frogs and toads have been recorded as living for up to 40 years, an age achieved by a European common toad, whose oh. Latin name is Bufo Bufo. Yeah, watch out. Uh, the cane toad has been known to survive 24 years in captivity and the American bullfrog 14 years. Frogs from temperate climates hibernate during the winter and four species are known to be able to withstand freezing during this time, including the wood frog. Um, although care of offspring is poorly understood in frogs, up to an estimated 20% of amphibian species may care for the young in some way. The evolution of parental care in frogs is driven primarily by the size of the water body in which they breed. Those that breed in smaller water bodies tend to have greater and more complex parental care behavior. For example, the female strawberry poison dart frog lays her eggs on the forest floor and the male frog guards them from predation and carries water in his cloaca to keep them moist. If you remember... A cloaca is the opening. <laughs> the one hole. The one hole. For the clo- everything. The cloaca is the one hole for everything. Everything going out and everything going in. Um, so he carries water in his in his hole to, to keep his eggs moist. Julia's crying. <laughs> when they hatch, the female moves the tadpoles on her back to a water-holding bromeliad or other similar water body. So they go to like a plant. Okay. Um, and then she just deposits one in each location and she visits them regularly and feeds them by laying one or two unfertilized eggs in the water, continuing to do this until the young are large enough to undergo metamorphosis. Wait, she, they feed they, tadpoles with, with eggs. their mom's eggs? Yes. So they're eating like they're siblings? No, because they're unfertilized. So it's like eating a chicken Potential egg. siblings. Potential siblings. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's like a pretty process. But they, that's how they survive. Wow. Um, the tiny male cream-backed poison frog stands guard over his egg cluster laid under a stone or log. When the eggs hatch, he transports the tadpoles on his back to a temporary pool where he partially immerses himself in the water and one or more tadpoles drop off. He then moves to another pool. The male common midwife toad carries the eggs around with him attached to his hind legs. Uh, He keeps them damp in dry weather by immersing himself in a pond and prevents them from getting too wet and soggy vegetation by raising his hand quarters. So he just like, (laughs) just like, I don't know, high steps around with his babies on his legs. After three to six weeks, he travels to a pond and the eggs hatch into tadpoles. 
Uh, the Tangara frog builds a floating nest from foam to protect its eggs from predation. <laughs> the foam is made from proteins and lectins and seems to have antimicrobial po- properties. Uh, several pairs of frogs may form a colonial nest on a previously built raft. So like a big foamy baby, like daycare. Incubation yes. zone. Um, the eggs are laid in the center, followed by alternate layers of foam and eggs, like a delicious cake. Trifle. <laughs> and then they... Like a frog egg trifle. Like a f- frog egg trifle. And they finish with a foam cap, like a nice icing. Like a baked Alaska. Like a baked Alaska. Exactly. Man, I'm hungry. Um, some frogs protect their offspring inside their own bodies. Both male and female pouched frogs guard their eggs, which are laid on the ground. When the eggs hatch, the male lubricates his body with the jelly surrounding them and immerses himself into the egg mass. The tadpoles wriggle into skin pouches on his side where they develop until they metamorphose into juvenile frogs. They jump out of his skin, pow, fully formed. Like Athena. Like Athena from from Zeus's Zeus's skull. Yes. I'm surprised they don't have that name. Uh, the female gastric brooding frog from Australia. You can imagine what's happening. Mm, now, prob- Betty's going to eat them. Yep. Well, she's now probably extinct. So just FYI. Uh, she swallows her fertilized eggs, which then develop inside her stomach. Um, she ceases to feed and stops secreting stomach acid, thankfully. Uh, the tadpoles rely on the yolks of the eggs for nourishment. And after six or seven weeks, they are ready to metamorphosis. Uh, the mother regurgitates the tiny frogs, which hop away from her mouth. <laughs> Okay, uh, the female Darwin's frog from Chile lays up to 40 eggs on the ground where they are guarded by the male. When the tadpoles are about to hatch, they are engulfed by the male, which carries them around inside his much enlarged focal sac. Here they are immersed into a frothy, viscous liquid that contains some nourishment to supplement what they obtain from the yolks of the eggs. They remain in the sac for seven to ten weeks before undergoing metamorphosis, after which they move into the male's mouth and emerge. This is so weird. Isn't it so weird? Um, frogs, who knew? So fascinating. I won't get any more into it. We all learn just like they lay the egg. Yep. It turns into a tadpole. Tadpole. Then it's a weird teen frog. Then it's a weird teen frog. frog. And then it's a regular ass frog who just continues. I wonder why we learn. We learn like caterpillar to butterfly and we learn like tadpole to frog. Yeah. That's like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's not a ton of of other examples, you know? I mean, how many other animals that we can like see have a, have a, metamorphosis I you guess, know i guess not a dosh or a not a frosh or, or, or a dosh or a, a, a pish, pish. <laughs> yeah we should really bring old english back by the way um not okay. confusing at all so uh all right let's talk to let's talk about their skin again so the skin of many frogs contain mild toxic substances called bufotoxins to make them unpalatable to potential predators most toads and some frogs have large poison glands, the parotoid glands, located on the sides of their head, behind the eyes, and other glands elsewhere on their bodies. So all over, there's poison. Um, these glands secrete mucus and a range of toxins that makes frogs slippery to hold and distasteful or poisonous. Poisonous frogs tend to advertise their toxicity with bright colors, an adaptive strategy known as aposmatism. Okay. So that's like when, like... Uh, you know, brightly colored, like, don't eat me, like butterflies. Yeah. Um, have that. So s- some uh, frogs, such as the poison dart frogs, are especially toxic. The native peoples of South America extract poison from these frogs to apply to their weapons for hunting, although few species are toxic enough to be used for this purpose. Um, at least two non-poisonous frog species in tropical America mimic the coloration of dart pois- poison frogs for self-protection. All right. Yeah. 
I mean, hey, why not? Uh, some frogs obtain poisons from the ants and other anthropods that they eat. And they oh. like eat them and then they like, it's in their bodies. It's in their blood and stuff. It's crazy. Wow. Um, others such as the Australian Corroboree frogs can synthesize the alkaloids themselves. So they just like make that poison. Um, the chemicals involved may be irritants, hallucinogens, convulsants, nerve poisons, or vasoconstrictors. Many predators of frogs have become adapted to tolerate high levels of these poisons, but other creatures, including humans, may be severely affected. Uh, another tactic used by some frogs is to scream. The sudden loud noise tending to startle the predator, and the gray tree frog makes an explosive sound that sometimes repels shrews. So they just make a kaboom. Like, that's the noise that they make. <laughs> And that's how they get people away from them. Oh my gosh. Which I really feel like I should just start screaming to get people away from me. When a coworker walks around to my side of the computer, oh. I should just start screaming. He'll <laughs> 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 stop that. I mean, yeah, it'll stop it like that. So quick. I mean, I'll probably get carted away, but <laughs> teach him a lesson. Uh, during extreme conditions, some frogs enter a state of torpor and remain inactive for months. Uh, In colder regions, many species of frog hibernate in winter. And those that live on land, such as the American toad, dig a burrow and make what's known as a hibernaculum Mm, in which to lie dormant. Yeah, hibernaculum. A a chamber for hibernating. Exactly. Um, Others less proficient at digging find a crevice or bury themselves in dead leaves. Aquatic species such as the American bullfrog normally stink to the bottom of the pond where they lie, semi-immersed in mud, but still able to access the oxygen dissolved in water. So they just like stay in the bottom. Uh, Their metabolism slows down and they live on their energy reserves. And some frogs can even survive being frozen. Ice crystals form under the skin in the body cavity, but the essential organs are protected from freezing by a high concentration of glucose. You and me both frogs. Am I right? (laughs) I love candy. And apparently, (laughs) and please don't do that. That causes diabetes in humans. Um, And apparently lifeless frozen frog can resume respiration and the heart beat can restart when conditions warm up. At the other extreme, the striped burrowing frog regularly hibernates during the hot, dry season in Australia, surviving in a dormant state without access to food and water for nine or 10 months of the year. It burrows underground and curls up inside a protective cocoon formed by its shed skin. So he doesn't eat it. He doesn't. Okay. He doesn't eat it. He just lives inside of his skin. (sighs) Dead skin. Uh, Frogs have been found to have upper critical temperatures of around 41 degrees Celsius or 108.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Um, so let's talk about uses of frogs. All right. Uh, frog legs are eaten by humans in many parts of the world. I never had them. I did. It's, um, it tastes like uh, chicken, but with a fishy flavor to it. Mm. I would not mm-hmm. recommend. Um, French frog legs dish is a traditional dish particularly served in the region of the Dombe. I have a little... pronunciation guy here uh the dish is also common in french-speaking parts of louisiana particularly in the cajun areas of southern louisiana as well as new orleans um and in asia frog legs are consumed in china vietnam thailand and indonesia chinese edible frog and pig frogs are farmed and consumed on a large scale in some areas in china frog legs are part of the chinese Sichuan and cantonese cuisine and in indonesia frog leg soup is known as suiki or swike is that because it's the only 
meaty part of the frog? Yes, I think okay. so. Um, the the muscles are more developed there, mm-hmm. and um, there there's not a lot of like excess muscle in like the main body part. That's where all of the organs are, like yeah. tightly packed together. So yeah, the legs are like the only edible part of it, which is gross. <laughs> Um, Indonesia is the world's largest exporter of frog meat, exporting more than 5,000 tons of frog meat each year, mostly to France, Belgium, and Luxembourg. Wow. Which is crazy to think about. In France, they are called cuisse de grand ouille. Yes. Um, so say that one more time. Cuisse de grand ouille. So I saw that. Uh huh. Um, and I was like, I'm going to do a pronunciation okay. guide for that. Sorry. And I looked it up. No, no, no. I looked it up and I heard that, that phrase, and I went, French frog legs dish because <laughs> there was no way I was going mm-hmm. to be able to replicate those sounds with my own mouth. So thank you, Julia, for giving me that. That just means frog legs, doesn't yes. it? Yeah. Legs of frogs. Legs of frogs. Um, so originally um, frog leg, frog meat, I guess, uh, were supplied from local wild populations, but overexploitation led to a, a decrease in the supply. Mm-hmm. So this resulted in the development of frog farming and a global trade in frogs, which is crazy. Um, so again, the main importing countries are France, Belgium, Luxembourg, and the United States, while the chief exporting nations are Indonesia and China. The annual global trade in the American bullfrog, mostly farmed in China, varies between 1,200 and 2,400 tons. Uh, the mountain chicken frog, so-called as it tastes of chicken. Chicken frog. Yes. Uh, is now endangered in part due to human consumption. And raccoon, possum, partridges, prairie hen, and frogs were among the fare Mark Twain recorded as part of American cuisine. Thanks, Mark. Thanks so much for that. Um, So because frogs are extraordinarily diverse, they have uh, raised the interest of biochemists as a natural pharmacy, much like herbs and plants. Um, The alkaloid epibatidine, a painkiller 200 times more potent than morphine, is made by some species of poison dart frogs. Although it can also cause death by lung paralysis. So you got to be real careful with that stuff. Um, Other chemicals isolated from the skin of frogs may offer resistance to HIV infection, which is really cool. Mm. Um, Dart poisons are under active investigation for their potential as therapeutic drugs. And it has long been suspected that pre-Columbian Mesoamericans used a toxic secretion produced by the cane toad as a hallucinogen. I bet they did. Oh, yes. Hell yeah. They didn't have TV. What else are they going to do? They're going to lick a frog. Um, More likely, they use substances secreted by the Colorado River toad. Um, And these contain what's known as bufotenin, a psychoactive compound that has been used in modern times as recreational drug. So typically, the skin secretions are dried and then smoked. Um, Illicit drug use by licking the skin of a toad has been reported in the media, but this may be an urban myth. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe, but... Well, teens will do anything for a YouTube challenge. Honestly, uh, cinnamon challenge made we me start lose it. My- we could start it. Like a frog challenge. Yeah. We would kill reams of <laughs> teens all over these United States. <laughs> I'll get my cousin to do it because she's she's a pretty teen. So they'll do it. She'll get on TikTok. And oh, my God, I She'll sound so frog. old. Oh, my God. When did this She'll happen get to me? on the TikTok. She'll get on the TikTok. And, and get she'll her make a video. I don't she'll know. She'll call someone. With a music by Ariana Grande. And then she'll get her friends to lick toads. <laughs> profit. Profit. Question mark, question mark, profit. Um, okay. The Moche people. <laughs> the Moche people of ancient Peru worshipped animals and often depicted frogs in their art. 
Uh, in Panama, local legend held that good fortune would come to anyone who spotted a Panamanian golden frog. Some believed when one of these frogs died, it would turn into a golden talisman known as a huaca. Uh, today, despite being extinct in the wild, Panamanian golden frogs remain an important cultural symbol and are illustrated on decorative cloth molas made by the Kuna people. They also appear as part of the inlay designs on a new overpass in Panama City, on t-shirts, and even on lottery tickets, which makes perfect sense because they're lucky. Um, also, medieval Christian tradition based on the uh, physiologists uh, distinguished land frogs from water frogs representing righteous and sinful congregationists, respectively. Mm. Uh, in folk religion and occultism, the frog also became associated with witchcraft or as an ingredient for love potions. And oh, f- yeah, like yeah, from double, Macbeth. Yes, exactly. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. I said double bubble, which is, uh, that's for me gum. watching botched. Um, <laughs> in, <laughs> the- oh, it's, it's a complication of breast co- um, surgery. It's called a double bubble. <laughs> that's another little bit of trivia for you. Um if you don't watch botched, a double bubble is a complication of um, breast augmentation. Anyway. Also a type of bubble gum. Also a type of bubble For gum. For those of you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, my God. I got to stop watching TV. That's enough. It's it's it's, it's freaking my bean. I got to <laughs> stop. All right. Um, in Finland, miniature wooden coffins containing frogs have been discovered under the floors of some churches. <gasps> That's really neat. Yes. Why? And, and in other places, such as in a field, under a cowshed in rapids or in a hearth, they are thought to have been part of a practice of magic or to protect against magic. Oh. Isn't that cool, though? Like, cool, like... Tiny, just, tiny coffin. Tiny coffin full of a frog skeleton. Um, to the Egyptians, the frog was a symbol of life and fertility, since millions of them were born after the annual flooding of the Nile, which brought fertility to the otherwise barren lands. Okay. Um, the Greeks and Romans associated frogs with fertility and harmony and with licentiousness in association with Aphrodite, mm-hmm. which is weird. Well, because of all the exploding oh, yeah, explo- mating. Yeah, that's explosive mating right there. Um, in Chinese traditional culture, frog represents the lunar yin and the frog spirit Ching Sheng is associated with healing and good fortune in business. Although a frog in a well is symbolic of a person lacking in understanding and vision because you can't see anything except for a little out yeah. the well. Um, also, painters in the Dutch Golden Age sometimes included frogs in their compositions. For example, Ambrosius Bouskart II painted a vanitas still life, which was called Dead Frog with Flies in circa 1630. So, um, mm, my favorite painting. Oh, uh, it's actually quite beautiful. Um, it is gross. It's small. These, I'm going to do like, I think I might do some Dutch Golden Age stuff because like vanitas paintings are so insane. Like it started off like, um, Ooh, you know, like, uh, Christ is the only way and like death is coming for all of us and, and like joy is fleeting and it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. like very like memento mori kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but then like, I think the symbols got away from them a little bit. (laughs) Like it used to be like skull. Yes. Death. But then it was like flies. And then they're like, "Mm, a golden cloth, you know, like it's just (laughs) weird stuff like a chicken bone. Oh no. You know? And even art historians now can't like decide on whether there was like, like a key, like there was a, yeah, an understanding of everybody. Like if you saw like a peeled orange, you were like, woof, wow, that's dirty. Can't look at that. You know, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Cause there's, d- there doesn't seem to be any like consistency amongst yeah. even like different painters. So I think it was a combination of like, yes, we're remembering that, you know, 
luxury and and joy is fleeting and you know we should all become right with our maker because death is coming for all of us um but also look at how good i am at painting glass <laughs> so i think it's a little bit of both but um vanitas paintings are really cool but anyway that is my quick and dirty on I frogs i never thought so much about them me neither julia i'm gonna admit that to you right now so i, I know i've told you like in uh ninth grade or 10th grade biology when we were supposed to like dissect the frog oh, yeah like f- like step one was skin the frog and i was like nope, nope. <laughs> please can i be excused and i Excuse sat me. in the library and like colored in a diagram of a frog for three days while the idiots in class had to were stuck dealing with it man it was no. that easy yeah shit yeah um uh, i've never been a i've never had a hearty uh reaction to bodily fluids and or no. skin being pierced so That's okay uh now apparently they they use um instead of like dissecting like a real ass frog body, they have virtual frog dissections. See, that's much yeah, better. It's much better. It's, it doesn't smell. Um, you don't get gross and dirty. You're not going to have that that guy in your class who like mutilates is the like frog. Too into yeah, cutting like open the frog. Super into it. And or is like, like he's already done it a ton of times. Yeah, it's like, actually, I love the smell of formaldehyde. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Brian, that's enough. <laughs> I, that was a name that I just picked at random. <laughs> That it was not the name of that guy in my biology class. I don't remember his name. Actually, I do. It was but Brad. Anyway, it was Dan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Wow, Lauren. Mm. I'm I'm suddenly very aware <laughs> of, of your teeth of, and your vomer yeah. bone, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me cleanse your palate. Okay. Uh, with a quiz on other jumping animals. Question number one. The springbok is a medium-sized antelope that displays a unique behavior called pronking, where they jump straight up in the air at up to six feet. They are also the national animal of what dry southern country that has certainly had its share of political upheaval in the late 20th century? Question number two. In the story The Ant and the Grasshopper, the ant works hard all summer while the grasshopper plays. In winter, the ant is ready, but the grasshopper starves. This is an example of several morality stories written by what Greek fabulist and storyteller? Question number three. It certainly makes sense, given that they love to box, wrestle, and generally fight each other, and you if you're in their way. But a group of ten or more kangaroos is called a what? Question number four. True or false, flea circuses did and do feature real-ass fleas. Question number five. Rabbits were once classified as rodents, at least until 1912, when they were reassigned to what jumpy order that also includes pikas and hares? Question number six. This jumping aquatic animal is featured on a lot of coat of arms, as well as on the flag of the territory of Anguilla in the Caribbean. What is this marine mammal, which was also a symbol of good luck to the ancient Greeks? Question number seven. This rodent found in the Arctic tundra grows to be about five to seven inches in length and are related to hamsters and gerbils, and therefore adorable. Contrary to popular belief, though, they are not suicidal. What is this rodent? Question number eight. Most jumping spiders can jump several times the length of their bodies. When a jumping spider is moving from place to place, and especially just before it jumps, it tethers a filament of silk or drag line to whatever it is standing on to protect itself if the jump should fail. 
What is the name of the spider's gland that produces spider silk? Question number nine. Talk about niche. This podcast, hosted by a co-creator of Welcome to Night Vale, features track-by-track discussions of a single band's album entitled All Hail West Texas and features a guest artist performing a cover of that episode's featured song. This podcast is called I Only Listen to What? A Band Named After a Hoofed Mammal. And question number 10. A Varose Sifak is a kind of animal that you may recognize from the movies Madagascar and Madagascar 2. What kind of animal is a Varose Sifak? A, a penguin. B, a mouse. C, a lemur. Or D, a giraffe. We'll give you a minute to think about it. We'll be right back with answers. Welcome, everyone. Okay. <laughs> Question number one. The springbok is a medium-sized antelope that displays a unique behavior called pronking, where they jump straight up in the air at up to six feet. Apparently, alpacas do that, too. Uh, they are also the national animal of what dry southern country that certainly has had its share of political upheaval in the late 20th century? It's South Africa. It's South Africa. It's South Africa. <laughs> South Africa. It's South Africa. I'm sorry to all the Afrikaans-speaking people that listen to this podcast. Um, they are also the name of the South African National Rugby Union team, the Springboks. Mm-hmm. Question number two. In the story, the ant and the grasshopper, the ant works hard all summer while the grasshopper plays. In winter, the ant is ready, but the grasshopper starves. This is an example of several morality stories written by what Greek fabulist and storyteller? This is Aesop. Yes. Aesop was a slave and a storyteller believed to have lived in ancient Greece between 620 and 564 B.C., uh, the fables originally belonged to the oral tradition and were not collected for some three centuries after his death. Mm. And by that time, a variety of other stories, jokes, and proverbs were being ascribed to him, although some of that material was from sources earlier than him or came from beyond the Greek cultural sphere. Um, they are known as Aesop's Fables or the Aesopica. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Question number three. It certainly makes sense given that they love to box, wrestle, and generally fight each other. And you, if you're in your other way. But a group of 10 or more kangaroos is called a what? Hmm. A gang. Oh, you're so close. It's a mob. Ah. Uh, yes. It's a mob okay. of kangaroos. Um. Good try, though. Very close. Uh, <laughs> question number four. True or false? Flea circuses did and do feature real ass fleas. This is harder than I thought. I've gone between because I actually stopped listening to like three other questions. You oh, said, because, you were because I was about stuck this? on this one. <laughs> um, I'm going to say 
that they did not feature fleas. You are incorrect. <sighs> they featured real ass fleas. Okay. It is bananas. So the first records of flea performances were from watchmakers who were demonstrating their metalworking skills to okay. make like teeny tiny things. Okay. So in 1578, Mark Scaliot produced a lock and chain that were attached to a flea. The first recorded flea circus dates back to the early 1820s where an Italian impresario called Louis Bertolotto advertised an extraordinary exhibition of industrious fleas on Regent Street in London. Fleas typically live for only a few months and are not trained, by the uh-huh. way. I don't know if you knew this. Uh-huh. They weren't, they're uh-huh. not trained. Um, fleas are observed to see if they have a predisposition for jumping or walking. Once sorted, they are harnessed by carefully wrapping a thin gold wire around their neck. Their neck! You know how big a flea is? So once in the harness, the fleas usually stay in it for life. Yeah, you tell, you kidding me? The harnesses, <laughs> the harnesses are attached to the props and the strong legs of the flea allow them to move objects significantly larger than themselves because they can jump so far. They have really strong little legs mm-hmm. for their bodies. Um, jumping fleas are used for kicking small light white balls and they are carefully given a ball where they try to jump away, which is not possible because of the harness, they shoot the ball instead. <laughs> Running fleas can pull small carts and vehicles or rotate a Ferris wheel. This is a real ass thing. There are still the, there are still at least six flea circuses that tour the world right now. That's crazy that's it's crazy i I think i only ever saw it like on a a cartoon Mm -hmm. or whatever and then exactly to me i was like well maybe they called it a flea circus but they weren't fleas exactly maybe they were like a fly i i just assumed they were like automatons like Mm -hmm. little like like a watchmaker like jokey thing like oh wow look at how tiny these things are you have to look at it through a microscope or like a um, magnifying glass Mm. but no they were real ass fleas there was some guy wrapping a gold wire around individual fleas and was like i'm gonna make a buck out of this it's good that they you know couldn't just jump on you and go home with you that's true you visited i mean the flea circus i guess so but i don't know i don't know if i'd take that chance yeah, i was like that would really spread a lot of disease yeah it would spread a lot of disease that's how <laughs> actually that's how the plague started the flea circuses flea circus. i mean it was in regent street in london oh <gasps> we're cracking this wide open jewel all right Question number five. Rabbits were once classified as rodents, at least until 1912, where they were reassigned to what jumpy order that also includes pikas and hares? Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to say lapin. So close. They are legomorphs. So I was trying to go for like leg. Legomorphs. Legomorphs. Yes. Um, I don't think I've ever heard of that word. Yeah. They are closely related, but some of the differences between legomorphs and rodents is that bunnies have four incisor teeth instead of two. And are strictly herbivorous, unlike rodents, which will eat both meat and vegetable matter because um, rats are disgusting. And bunnies are. And bunnies are the sweetest things. You know what? Every now and then I'll throw some carrots outside. Just for some bunnies? Bunnies don't want to eat them. Oh, no. They want to work for their food. Where did this come from? Where Where does this rabbits eating carrots thing come from? Because I would like to, I would like to dispute that. (laughs) So wait. So nothing touches them. Yeah. They just kind of rot away. Oh. Well, maybe you just got some, some really gross picky, ass. Some really gr- picky. I was going to say rabbits. some gross ass carrots. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you got some picky bunnies. Or maybe they're just too big. 
you know? I mean, I have baby carrots. Oh, well then no. Then because you I just hate got baby s- carrots whenever they're in the house. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's carrots are disgusting. Well, then you got a bunny after your own heart out there. What can I say? Question number six. This jumping aquatic animal is featured on a lot of coats of arms, as well as on the flag of the territory of Anguilla in the Caribbean. What is this marine mammal, which was also a symbol of good luck to the ancient Greeks? A dolphin. It is a dolphin. Um, A well-known historical example of a dolphin in heraldry was the arms for the former province of the Dauphiné in southern France. Uh, from which we are derived the arms and the title of the Dauphin of France, the heir to the former throne of France, and the title literally means the Dolphin of France, which I had no uh. idea. I thought it was like, oh, Dauphin, it sounds like dolphin. How funny. He, he, he. What? It's an actual <laughs> dolphin? No wonder they didn't survive. So, like dolphins and like artwork, like ancient artwork mm-hmm. that look like... S- s- did they, like weird ass fish. Yeah. How did they get that? Did they used to have weird faces like that? No. Or these people were just very bad at drawing a dolphin. They did not know what a dolphin looked like. So okay. a lot of times, so um, exotic animals, especially like in the Renaissance period. Um, oh, lions. Lions had like <laughs> human faces. It was weird. <laughs> we have uh, a midi- like a, a Renaissance tapestry in our medieval gallery that has animals in it and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And you can tell like it's Flemish. The guy who made it uh, was like, I don't know, just, I don't know, get, put my face on it. Because you could tell the animals that they're like familiar with, like, like birds a, and egrets and all sorts of stuff. Dog. And, and then it was like, lion. It was like, <laughs> oh, God, it's so, so messed up. But they would only, um, people would, like sailors would sketch what they've seen. Okay. Um, or the, a lot of people would like describe what they saw to someone to sketch. So it's like a kind of like a game of telephone. <laughs> and so for some reason, the dolphin ended up looking like a weird, like, I don't know, dragon, dragony fish face. thing. Yeah. yeah. And so that just became like the template by which all other um, dolphin depictions were made. And the same thing with lions, like lions and big cats and all sorts of stuff. Have you ever seen a drawing, like an early drawing of an elephant? No. It's hysterical. We'll look it up. We'll post them. <laughs> like elephants and rhinoceroses. Oh, oh my okay. gosh. Like big, crazy animals, giraffes, things that you'd only see in like the subcontinent of Africa. These people were like, and it had a big, long neck. It was like six feet tall. And they were like, that's insane. That's not a real thing. Um, it had a nose that was long and it was like a hand at the end. Like, <laughs> if you could imagine someone describing an elephant to you, you'd be like, you are on drugs. So that's why. Okay, question number seven. This rodent, found in the Arctic tundra, grows to be about five to seven inches in length and is related to hamsters and gerbils and therefore adorable. Contrary to popular belief, they are not suicidal. What is this rodent? Is it a lemming? It is a lemming. Um, Misconceptions about lemmings go back many centuries. In the 1530s, geographer Ziegler of Strasbourg proposed the theory that the creatures fell out of the sky during stormy weather (sighs) and then died suddenly when the grass grew in the spring. Peep past people were dumb um lemmings have become the subject of a widely popular misconception that they are driven to commit mass suicide when they migrate by jumping off cliffs it is not a deliberate mass suicide but rather a result of their migratory behavior driven by strong biological urges some species of lemmings may migrate in large groups when population density becomes too great they can swim and many choose to cross a body of water in search of a new habitat and in such cases, many drown if the chosen body of water happens to be the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> or 
is in any case so wide as to exceed their physical capabilities. But lemmings are currently endangered. So you would not see this happening okay. because there's not like a population growth of lemmings. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just because there's like overcrowding and they're like, mm, take to the sea. And they just like, <laughs> <laughs> like fall over a cliff. It's terrible. Okay. Question number eight. Most jumping spiders can jump several times the length of their bodies. When a jumping spider is moving from place to place, and especially just before it jumps, it tethers a filament of silk or drag line to whatever it is standing on to protect itself if the jump should fail. What is the name of the spider's gland that produces spider silk? I don't have a bloody clue. I feel like this was a learned league question, like maybe like a year ago. They're called spinnerets. Okay. I feel like that was the answer. I definitely got it wrong because I could not remember. But uh, their well-developed internal hydraulic system extends their limbs by altering the pressure of body fluid within them. So that's Mm. why like they have like, like super, like super hydraulics that like push them out. Um, It enables them to, to jump for far distances without having like giant legs, like a grasshopper basically. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Question number nine. Talk about niche. This podcast, hosted by a co-creator of Welcome to Night Vale, features track-by-track discussions of a single band's album entitled All Hail West Texas and features a guest artist performing a cover of that episode's featured song. This podcast is called I Only Listen to What? A band named after a hoofed mammal. Our engineer is looking at me expectantly. (laughs) A hoofed mammal. A hoofed mammal. Think about the theme. Um, the deer. The the no. The, <laughs> I don't know. It's the mountain goats. Oh, it's a band okay. called the Mountain Goats. Yeah. So this podcast is called "I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats," and they just go through a single album, and it's. I was like, this can't last for very long. And it was, it was just like, (laughs) like a one year or like Mm -hmm. six month thing or whatever. Okay. And finally, question number 10, a Varose seafoc is a kind of animal that you may recognize from the movie Madagascar and Madagascar 2. What kind of animal is a Varose seafoc? A, a penguin, B, a mouse, C, a lemur, or D, a giraffe? First of all, it sounds like you're swearing at us. (laughs) I would never. I will just say a lemur. You are correct. Okay. It is a lemur. Um, the name of their, the, the name of them is an automatopoeia of their characteristic shifa alarms call. <laughs> that's what, that's what the noise they make. Shifa. So there you go. It's a lemur. That's cute. It's very cute. Um, so that was my topic on frogs and my wow. quiz on wow, jumping Lauren. animals. Um, we got a really funny email from a listener. So oh, is this... um, I think we're technically calling this. Ready? Listener submitted trivia. Um, so our listener, Corinne A. Thank you, Corinne. Sent us a, a really funny email. Um, so on an episode of Mr. Information, they oh, talked mm. about Drake. Um, oh, I think I'm subscribed to and them. And she wanted to share some deep insider trivia. Um, so Corinne says, I dated Aubrey Graham's cousin during the time he transitioned careers and became Drake. My boyfriend at the time told me, as I had never seen Degrassi, that his cousin was on the show and his character was in a wheelchair, which sounded vaguely familiar. He 
He said that his cousin told him the reason for the plot point was that Aubrey was way too tall in comparison to his castmates. So they put him in a wheelchair for better camera angles. Oh my gosh. Does this count as good trivia or just pure gossip and conjecture? (laughs) That's very good. I think that's good trivia. No, that's good trivia. It also sounds like something that Drake um, made up like, oh, I was just too tall and masculine for... I had to put me in a wheelchair because I was so tall. Because <laughs> as we know, men are very obsessed with how tall they are for some strange reason. Um, thank you, Corinne. Thank you, Corinne. That, that was so very funny. good. We are also going to get to see Corinne because yeah. uh, she lives just over the border from us. And uh, she may or may not hook us up with some baked goods. <laughs> Don't uh, blow up their spot. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Corinne. Um <laughs> But thank you, Corinne, for your email. And uh, that was very good. And nothing is better than hot trivia slash gossip about a celebrity. Definitely. Mm. Please give us more of that. (laughs) Sorry, I have a frog in my throat. (laughs) Oh, no. It's happening. (laughs) Yeah. We will eat that up with a spoon. Um, Not the frog, the gossip. Uh, So if you want to be like Corinne and send us some baked goods, our uh, email, our <laughs> mailing address is P.O. Box. No, I'm kidding. Um, although we should do that because we can have people send us baked goods. Um, if you want to send in some listener submitted trivia like Corinne yeah. did, uh, you can email us like she did at uh, misinfopod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at our Twitter uh, at misinfopod. You can uh, write us a note on our Facebook page, misinformation colon, a trivia podcast. And you can also hit us up. Uh, well, no, you can just go to our website, www.misinfopod.com. Uh, you can listen to us on our website mm-hmm. or you can find us pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend. Thank you so much to everybody who has already done all that. It's yes. really fun to read the comments and everything and yes. um i think apparently something like the more ratings we have the more easier it'll be for people to find us on anything itunes or oh, okay, whatever great. so yeah, yeah, yeah please review. Fine. also welcome to the three people who um joined us uh started listening to us because i was featured on a local tv she's waving yes waving. I'm waving. a local tv newscast because i made sure i plugged this <laughs> podcast when i was interviewed for my uh who wants to be a millionaire because i am shameless so uh thank you everybody hi, everyone yeah hi everyone we thank probably you. should open the podcast with hello this is what we do on this podcast oh, yeah <laughs> uh maybe next time yes Um, and, uh, we will catch you next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye.